What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement and talk about what happened on Sunday. We're talking about Exodus 2 today. Uh, did I mess something up, Rob? No. Nope. made a weird nope. face. <laughs> nope. I, nope. That's You're his good. normal face. You're good. <laughs> I'm Rob. Uh, you threw me way off. That was Rob. I'm Aaron. That was also Aaron. And I'm Cody. We're glad you're listening. Uh, we're going to jump in and talk about what happened in the, the continuing story of Exodus. But mm-hmm. first, we're going to talk about what happened in our lives. Mm. Rob, how was, your, how was your week? It's been weird. <laughs> it's been a weird one, guys. As per usual in I know, huh? weeks. How dare you? <laughs> I, uh, I lost power and a lot of folks oh, from the in, wind. The, in the or night the bridge area. No. Someone at 1 a.m. last or, or yeah Friday s- knocked down a power pole it's on Knightsbridge. Demonic and uh, thankfully, Camby Utility was pretty quick. They got it back up overnight, and it was like we got our power back around like noon Saturday. But the lights all went off around 1 a.m. and my son wakes up, who's like you know has four night lights. He can't sleep without him. <laughs> and he's freaking out, comes into my room. It's dark. And I'm like, it's nighttime. Yes, it's dark. And I don't, it was strange. He hasn't come into my room in a long time. And, you know, then I realized the lights are off, the power's out, and it's 1 a.m. And he tr- gets in bed with me and so elbows me all night and I never sleep. Um, but the other thing that happened that was really crazy, and uh, I never really experienced this all that much since moving up here, but. I live next to a field, as you guys know, mm-hmm. and this night, um, and all the lights are off. The sound machine is off in, in my daughter's room. Like there's normal, normally you like the AC is running. White noise. White noise, and there was none this evening, and we were hearing this sound from the field. And I will give you a sample of oh it. Oh my okay. goodness! This is this what is I, all new to us. If anyone's listening, new to me and Cody, we have no idea on, what's about to happen. Sure. Let me make sure. This- Wait. <laughs> oh, what, is, what is that? That is the sound of coyotes. Oh yeah, there's it, coyotes yipping. in that field. There's oh yeah, there's coyotes. There's deer. Like the Weird. field behind my house is crazy, and this screaming noise was happening. So my son is losing his mind, thinking, "Wow." Well, first he said Piper's screaming, like he thought it was yeah. my daughter. She's sound asleep, dude. She sleeps through everything. She was fine, but I then I started to hear it, and I'm like, "Oh, that's coyotes." I knew it right away, but. It, it's terrifying. It sounds like yeah. a, a, a woman is being murdered. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, now that you say that, I have heard that my old house, we had that. But also, they kind of laugh sometimes. I don't yeah. know if you heard that at all. They'll, like, do a weird laughing sound. Yeah, it's crazy. There was someone a had told me they'll mimic the sound of, like, you know, a child or whatever to, or a dying animal to attract other animals to wow. it that they can attack, you know? When we lived up in the Tacoma area near Lakewood, where they would film cops all the time, you know, Lakewood, uh, Mm -hmm. there was like the coyotes were getting hungry and this old lady was walking like her two like little tiny dogs and this coyote came out and it like bit her dog like and and she like tug of war with it. Wow. And then it pulled it away from her and took it into the woods and then either the same coyote or a second coyote came back and took her second dog. Oh my god. Cuz they were like they were and they were like yeah, they were killing lots of dogs that summer when there was not enough food for them to find. They just started coming into the neighborhoods. This just got dark. Imagine? 
Yeah, but it was weird, so I didn't sleep at all. And then the but they didn't eat your dog or anything. No, my I don't have a dog. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't have any animals to eat. At least not anymore. Um, <laughs> but then <laughs> I. But I didn't get a My lot of bad. I didn't get a lot of sleep and I didn't get a lot of sleep last night so I'm like running on fumes because I took Ashley my sister to the airport she's in California today our kids director is gone mm. for the week um <clears throat> anyway so I'm barely alive but uh let's podcast <laughs> nice. go Cool story bro <laughs> Thanks man Cool story bro Thanks Yikes I don't have anything near as cool as that. I've just basically had the wind really got me the other day and I've had allergies the last few days. But mm. yeah, other than too, that, um, I have, I'm doing well. How do you feel about it? How do I feel about allergies? allergies? Yeah, I feel I'm horrible. I'm just trying to get to know you more as a person, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> I don't like allergies. Um, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't even know what allergies were until I moved up here. I mean, every time I get a really bad allergy attack, it's all, like, self-inflicted. Gotcha. So Friday, I was outside doing things, and it was blowing wind, and I could see the dust in the air. And I'm like, well, I shouldn't be out here right now. But I just wouldn't stop. I stayed out there doing stuff, and, um, you know, it was inevitable that I was going to have allergies all over the place. So... Anyway, I feel like I'm finally starting to feel a little bit better, but yes, yeah, sir. Nice. How about you? Dude, I'm uh, I'm feeling good. I'm coming off of Monday Night Football. Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks pulled it out at the end. They're the number one team in the league. Are they really? Well, <laughs> I mean. In your mind. Every team that won, <laughs> every team that won the first week yeah. is tied for first place for number one at one and oh one and oh record <laughs> it was funny though going into the game but you also score that ratio is also based on how bad you beat the other team and that's true so maybe they're not the number one but they are the top ranked team in uh what is it the nfc west because mm. everyone else in the nfc west lost so going into their game before they ever played they were the top ranked team in their division and uh, now they still are because uh, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson's terrible. Geno Smith is awesome. And <laughs> Rob doesn't so care about Russell sports. Wilson switched to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, but he was on the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I loved him last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, who do, who doesn't? He's now, one of the most beautiful men out there he, in the but world. Now right? He sucks. Oh boy. <laughs> That's the thing, right? He's like this good-looking quarterback like, face. I don't know. Oh, if quarterback he has, face. I don't That's know if he has quarterback it. face as much. Yeah, quarterback face is like the more attractive you are, the more confident you are growing up, and so you end up as a quarterback. That's yeah. just a theory some people have. Yeah, right. I guess he's a good-looking dude. I don't know. I don't know. I just I saw all these things. I'm like, he he models out there and blah blah blah. I'm like, oh okay, I see what this guy's shtick is. Yeah. Moses was beautiful as well. That's right. He was a beautiful. Ayo baby. connection. <laughs> <laughs> this is the segue. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to chat for a second about this little uh -oh. uh, Barna poll. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mentioned on Sunday because it yeah. was 9-11. Right. Mm. And I made a little bit of a connection between it, 9-11, uh, and the events that happened there 21 years ago. Um, horrible events. Not just events, but horrible, tragic, yeah. murderous, evil events. Um, but the way, you know, the, even the fallout of that, right, the ripple effect that happened to pastors and ministry leaders uh, who burned out from what this term that a lot of people in um, social studies and things like that experience, but it's called compassion fatigue. Yep. When you 
have so much, there's so much need and you want to meet that need and then you meet that need, but then you burn yourself out. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, we have limits to how much compassion we can, can, uh, share with others. Right. Pastors, counselors, nurses, first responders can all kind of hit that experience that. Yeah. Especially if anyone has like, uh, like natural disposition, that's compassionate. Uh, some people sort of know how to emotionally distance themselves from people's lives and things like that. And, but other people, uh, are more vicarious. They feel other people's pain and obviously they experience more fatigue as a result of that. And Mm -hmm. pastors, I think, and, and anyone really in ministry kind of have these two things. They love God, they love people. And so when they see people hurting, it, it affects them in, in deep ways and so anyway, and especially the last year, two years, this, this Barna poll that came out, it surveyed uh, lead pastors, I believe, in March of 2022. It was the same study that was done January 2021. And essentially a year, a little over a year later, it showed a 13% increase in pastors who were, who had actively thought about leaving the ministry, which basically means they probably had some conversations. They talked to their spouses about, should we continue on in ministry? And their reasons were, and you were um, saying that that was in that year, basically. Cause I was saying probably every pastor at some point has been like, do I want to keep doing this? Ex- yeah, exactly. But that was saying like an increase in, in that, that particular year. Yes. time frame. Yeah. So at any point in time, there probably is a certain number of pastors considering doing a different vocation. Oh, but yeah. But it's saying at that time, it's higher, it's than, higher. Any, than any other time. That was the part I didn't quite understand. Well, and not only not only that, but like the reasons vary, right? So these are specific reasons as to why. And one of the reasons they shared was the immense stress of the job. 56% of those who had considered leaving the ministry said 50 or 56 percent of them said the immense stress of the job um 43 <coughs> percent said i feel lonely and isolated um 38 percent said the current political divisions now that number obviously is consistent with the time frame that probably wouldn't have been the case several years ago right but certainly became the issue in mm-hmm. 2020 and in 2021 and then obviously this year but what's interesting is the the fallout of it like 2020 was to me one of the most stressful years externally where i felt like everything was out of my control you know guidelines from the government and covid and what's going to happen with the election just all of these things i'm like what is going on in the world i feel like i'm living in crazyville right now (laughs) um and uh but you know some of the other ones i am unhappy with the effect this role has had on my family that was 29 percent that one sucks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I am not optimistic about the future of my church. 29% of those who had considered leaving uh, said that that was one of the factors. Um, my vision for the church conflicts with the church's direction. So where the pastor feels like they want to go, the church is saying, no, we don't want to go that direction. And we don't know what those things are. Um, but the church is steadily in decline. That's 24%. And I'm not satisfied with my job, 22%. Anyway, and then the numbers start dropping from there. But uh, 
for me, it was interesting. Someone shared the, the poll with me that was done, the survey. And the shocking thing was that it increased 13% over the, a little over a year from January 2021 mm-hmm. to March 2022. It wasn't surprising to me that there were people <laughs> who were burnt out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, okay, wow, there's a poll that proves what I already know from the relationships and the people that I've experienced. Um, and the reasons were not new to me either. Again, just the shock was the increase. But it wasn't a shock to me because I know of compassion fatigue from the events of 2020. You know, everybody's really excited. But then you you jump in, you do these things because the need is there. But then after a while, you burn yourself out and the, the fatigue sets in and you don't have anything left to give. And <clears throat> that was the connection from yeah. the 9-11 thing was this pastor was encouraging other pastors don't burn yourself out in 2020 because he had seen a bunch of pastors burn themselves out at 9-11 um, and fall out of ministry over the next two, three, four years. And I, I mean, I was reading that and I was thinking, man, I don't feel any of those things. Hmm. Um, I think to a large degree, I listened to that, the advice of that pastor. And in 2020, I'm like, hey, we're going to do a few things. We're going to do the right things. But the most important thing we're going to do is not burn ourselves out. <laughs> Cause we can't meet all the needs and um, we're going to continue to preach the word and maintain relationships. But um, we're certainly not going to, I wasn't going to burn myself out. I wasn't going to burn the staff out. Wasn't going to burn the leadership out, you know? And I think that we're moving out of this place this season, like in a really healthy direction, you know, but it makes me think, wow, we need to keep, pastors in prayer churches in prayer Mm -hmm. Um, but i wanted to chat about that real quick in the introduction i think can't we add that link to that poll in the podcast like if someone yeah we could do that right in the description in the description we should be able to i'm not sure how the links Mm -hmm. pop up we can for sure put the the url yeah yeah the url where someone could copy and paste it into their own web browser but it might show up as a link yeah let's try and do it if we can try it yeah i'm sure i'm sure the the interesting difference though between 9-11 and uh like covid is 9-11 really sent a lot of americans running back to church yes where covid did the opposite 100 uh, which is kind of just an interesting and it almost makes me wonder with pastors like, I mean, how many people do we know that stopped going to church during COVID and never went back? Yep. And with pastors, like maybe some of those pastors had that same kind of personality that would have just stopped going to church, but they had this obligation to continue to be a part of it. And then maybe yep. that added to their stress. Um, yeah. Yep. But it's a, yeah. No, that, but I, I feel like in 9-11 people talk about that like oh yeah all these people they run back to god and i'm like but it's but they're not really running back to god you Man, know they're they kind of ran back to god bless america <laughs> yeah or they 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 ran back to a cultural expression of yeah. like they say there's no atheists in foxholes right like yeah you're crying out to god in your moment of like you recognize life's out of my control you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people do that. Um, they throw up the Hail Mary prayer. But yeah, in, in COVID, it was a little bit different. I think COVID exposed the fact that people genuinely just don't care about church and instead care about them themselves and their mm-hmm. own safety. Like that's their idolatry. That's what they're really worshiping mm-hmm. is their own safety. 
and uh, and and sense of security and finding it in in other things other than God, and and yet at the same time we did see we can say that there were a few people who were awakened to their need for Christ in in the last year and a half. Yeah, because yeah, they see the world spiraling, and 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 they they had isolated themselves and then they realized wow this is unhealthy and they felt the need to come back to church we've mm-hmm. we've met, experienced a few people like that and Definitely. and so god has a way of doing that but it didn't happen right away it wasn't like the next sunday everybody showed up this happened like a year later or even now people are like man yeah. I, I feel like it happened for us i experienced it when the mask mandates lifted in in oregon which was in february Mm. All of a sudden people started coming to church and I'm meeting new people and they're like, yeah, we just realized like we have not been to church in over a year. And we're like, when did that happen? And anyway, so it's, it is interesting. The, the difference is you're right, but there are some similarities and God used it too, for sure. But segue into Exodus two, the boy was beautiful. Sorry. Should we read the whole chapter? I don't think we need to. That'd be a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe Moses was starting to feel a bit of burnout and compassion fatigue as he looked around (laughs) at the suffering of his people. And we see him. Oh, I'm sure he was. You're really stretching it. Kind of a bad decision. Bad move. Yes, sir. And then he isolates in the desert Mm -hmm. until he Mm -hmm. finds a family to belong to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We could really keep stretching it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically the same story. (laughs) i was i was pretty encouraged by a lot of the things um in this in this chapter i think what was encouraging to me was how the new testament looks at the old testament so like jumping into acts 7 and hebrews 11 yeah and hebrews 11 and seeing the way that these because i have you know when we read the text we read it and we get a certain impression right what an impression of the characters an impression of what's happening, the point of the story, why is it being communicated to us in this way? What is the author trying to lead us to believe or to to think about these characters? But then when you jump over to the New Testament, it's like, okay, I was kind of there with you, but you went a whole other direction. Like I definitely would not have seen her putting her son in the ark, this little vessel as like this act of faith. And yet that's what the author of Hebrews says she was doing. She be, she was believing by faith she did these things. And I was just kind of shocked by that. E- even the initial thing, uh, a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. And that verse, chapter 2, verse 1, coming off the prior context, every child shall be born or that is born of the Hebrews shall be thrown into the Nile. Next verse. Now a man uh, from the house of Levi took his wife and and she conceived and bore a son. It's like, whoa. The question is, who would bring a son Mm. into a world or a culture or a government whereby which there is a death sentence on every child? I mean, who would do something like that? Every male child, yeah. Yeah, every male child. They couldn't have known necessarily, but still, you're right, yeah, that they would have a male child, but... 50-50 50-50 chance. <laughs> I know. And, and yeah. it's it's somewhat shocking. And it didn't shock me at first. You just kind of read over it. But then when I read over it again, I'm like, this is 
really a bold move. Yeah. A defiant move, even. Defiant in the, in the sense of against the edict of the king, but by faith they yeah. did this. I think maybe it would be helpful just to give a quick overview. So, yeah, the, the beginning right. of chapter 2, um, it details Moses' family giving birth, obviously, to Moses, and then and then this the fact that she had to hide him for several months and then <coughs> puts him in this boat, this ark, and sends him on his way, which, yeah, we definitely need to talk about that whole thing. And then then we see that he's obviously Moses is found by the, the daughter of the Pharaoh, taken in by the daughter. I love the twist that his sister brings Moses to his mom, and his mom gets paid to take mm-hmm. care of her own child <laughs> for the first, you know, probably six, five, six years of his life. So I don't know how many years he, oh, she was sure. weaning him, you know. Yeah, it's and only then, a sentence in here. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's we don't know exactly, but it's going to be a number of years, uh, and probably. I mean, I don't know how involved she was even even throughout his life. We don't know, but and then of course we jump cut to Moses as an adult, and he is stepping into his identity a bit as a as a Hebrew and determining who he is, you know, mm-hmm. and he, he sees the injustice of, of the Egyptian soldier. And of course he takes matters into his own hands, murders him, hides it and realizes he can't get away with it. So the Pharaoh's out to kill him and he runs away into the desert and eventually meets his wife. It's like a, it's a lot in one chapter just happening. Totally. Um, but I thought the way that you broke it into these and the ESV, uh, you know, chunks it in these time jumps. And uh, I thought that was helpful. That last little section, of course, is like commentary about God's response and setting up for the next section. But, um, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting. And the thing, the thing that was going through my head is how how much has culture and the story of Moses, which is like I think of the Disney movie, The Prince of Egypt, yeah. which probably everyone saw, whether you're a Christian or not. I've mm. never seen it. You've never it's seen it. It's actually pretty good. I'll check it out. Yeah. But what's funny, and we see this in movies like that and in other movies and cartoons and stories, and if you were around Bible stories as a kid at all, we have this idea of Moses that's not really very biblical. Like in The Prince of Egypt, (laughs) he comes back from the wilderness as like a 30-something-year-old guy. But in the Bible, he's 80 when he comes back. You know, he's he's (laughs) like, he is gray-haired, white-haired, and... It, it's also like it portrays all these elements of the story in a way. And I think internally we sort of we believe those narratives because they're they're easier to understand. Like, you know, the his mom sending him down the river in a boat. We just have this in our head like, oh, that was that's cool. That's a part of the story. That was like a normal thing. But then if you really think about it, that's like a really weird choice it's only slightly safer than what they're doing to kill the babies right just throw them in without a boat yeah like but that didn't go through my head as a you know before i really started to study exodus seriously you know what i mean i think a lot of us as we look at exodus would be smart to try and you know take apart those narratives that we have in our head from pop culture from movies and really look at what the text says so i think yeah there was some surprising things in this story Mm -hmm. How how does the Disney movie treat the uh, love story of Moses and Zipporah? Do you remember? Yeah. (laughs) This is kind of interesting here. He's like saves the dude's daughters and he's like, thanks for saving my daughters. Here, have one. (laughs) It's like, like, 
Yep. I mean, Ooh. this is like fully a like arranged marriage <laughs> culture. Exactly. Then, you know? Yeah, it's different. But. It's definitely like a super short montage of their yeah. like rom com moments <laughs> where they they like interact and yeah. It's okay. I think it's over the a song. There's like a song that um, Jethro sings. And he uh, and like eventually at the end of it, he's married with kids. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's like it's sort definitely of definitely a different culture. We don't affirm <laughs> <laughs> giving your daughters away as like property value. Yeah. There's something to that. I mean, I know. think it was more like, dude, I've got seven of these <laughs> kids. Someone's got to take care of them. I can't Someone's got to take that. That was uh, I was reading a commentary. Presumably, no sons, because no. Why are all the daughters going out to water? Yeah. Today? Oh, totally. The flock. He had seven daughters. And, oh, this man helped me. And I love the way he says it. Uh, well, then where is he? Why have you left the man? <laughs> <laughs> Call him that he may eat bread. He's like, there was a man around? There's a man around here? And you just left him out there? Seven of you. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, that was good. I mean, and yeah, somebody so who could care for them. In this. An insane amount of things happen in this chapter. In this chapter, like, yeah. like you said, years and years and years pass by. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot that could be unpacked. Um, yeah, well, but the, the other thing too is, is this is going to be an exercise for all of us going through the book of Exodus. Is there are like I, I was reading a commentary. They broke this section up into three, like basically what you would call a sermon, like three sermons in one, gotcha. and. I mean, there was a lot in there that I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That you just have to like skip over and move on and find like the central idea, um, what is being communicated in this. So it's, it's not, you know, we're not walking on ground here. We're flying in the sky and getting a little bit of an overview perspective. Um, even though I, you know, we read all the verses, we're not getting into the nitty gritty of every little thing mm -hmm. that's going on here. Or all the applications that could come out of this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause you could do verses one through 10 just in his birth story and the miracle of him. Of the, and the ark. Yeah. And just to have this that's whole it. thing about the ark and how we're, we too are saved by being in Christ. Just like he is basically our ark, you know, protecting <laughs> us going through. I mean, all of these things we could tease out. And so true and could be teased out in the life group. Yeah. Could be teased out here in the podcast, but does it need to get brought up in the sermon? You know what I mean? So it's going to be an exercise in the flyover, especially as we keep going on and we're flying over several chapters at a time. Right. It's yeah. going to be for those Bible students in here. They may be a little bit upset that we're going over so go fast, but some more details. We're not going to spend like Bobby, Bobby Hibbert came up to me. Uh, I, didn't, I don't think I told you guys this, but when I said that we were only going to do Exodus in 27 weeks mm -hmm. or something like that, she was like, yeah, right. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> she knows me that all too like well. What's, uh, what, so what's our take on Pharaoh's daughter? We know she was obligated to kill all Egyptian yeah. males um, and does like literally like could not be more opposite. She saves one from the river, adopts him into her family. Uh, what is she? Is she like a, you know, is she a, a Rahab with the spies? Is she like, what, what's our take on her? Gosh, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, it would be speculation. Yeah. Right? yeah. Everything is speculation. There's exactly. very little we know. We don't even know her name. We don't know her father's name. We don't know which Pharaoh this is. We don't know. Did the Pharaoh know she kept a boy and was like, cool with it? He oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He knew. He There's had no doubt about it. So yeah, maybe she's more like a. 
wants a girl Baruch Assault, right? I I want a Hebrew boy, Daddy. And he's, <laughs> he's like, fine, you can have. You her. can have a Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that that's from Willy Wonka? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Maybe. It, he's we just don't like, know. Whatever. I give my daughter whatever she wants. Oh, that's well, th- so funny. She took funny. pity on him. Yeah. Um. You know. So that would that would seem like she has some empathy for the for the children for the child. She's obviously has very little influence, if at all. You know, with regard to like the policies of the pharaoh, she's yeah. you know she has no say, so she could have been totally opposed to the idea. But you know, who knows? We don't we don't really know. I I mean, like I said, I think there are some hints in her actions that suggest maybe not everybody of the Egyptians was super stoked about this sin you'd against have to humanity. Ass- you'd have to assume. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were there were some, though, who were like, yeah, these people are the problem, much like in Nazi Germany. Sure. Right. These yeah. people. But there were a lot who were like, dude, I don't this is not cool. Um, <clears throat> but I think specifically the mention that she saw that he was beautiful does give a little bit of like, huh, I wonder if she was by God's grace moved with compassion sure. to see this like like almost like when Mary looked at her son, right? Mm. Um, But I find it interesting that in Acts 7, it says at this time uh, in verse 20, Moses was born. It says, and he was beautiful in God's sight. Mm. So like Stephen does this little funny twist there because in Exodus and even in uh, Hebrews, it says, and he was beautiful in the sight of his parents or in this case, in the sight of Pharaoh's daughter. But here, Stephen says he was beautiful in God's sight. So God looked at him, and whether it was like physical beauty or just like loved this child. Um, so I don't know. I I could be led to believe that this woman was led to believe, <laughs> even, yeah, by seeing this child, much like the wise men as they traveled over and they looked upon this child that was born obviously i'm talking about jesus um i think there's some hints like that yeah. in the story that give us sort of like what's going on here so it could be could be yeah. that she was <clears throat> that I she mean, believed in, in exodus it says you know the the woman conceived and bore a son and when she saw that he was a fine child mm-hmm. so that is interesting like stephen picks up on that it seems like the they want to highlight something specific about him his appearance or yeah. or the fact that god saw him as beautiful obviously well, his god appearance has a plan. but also they they're uh the person who is like beauty is in the eyes of the beholder right true yeah. so for her to look upon him and see beauty in this child and not disdain not hatred not fear or all these other things you know mm-hmm. yeah like she looked upon the savior and saw beauty mm-hmm. and i think i think those kind of, that kind of language or imagery yeah. leads could lead you to believe that maybe she did believe or at least have hints well, God of belief was moving something in her life in her to cause her. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe like, Moses just had some serious quarterback face. <laughs> and looked at, at him like, and was like, this dude's going to three months old. This dude's going to lead some people. Yeah. Like people will follow this guy. He's going to be confident. But, uh, I was reading elsewhere too. Like some, when it says that they enter into the promised land or when they left, Egypt, like others were with them. It wasn't oh, yeah. just the Hebrews. So there were some Egyptians that followed who followed with them 
And so it, it is a mixed multitude is a what it mixed says, multitude, yeah. which yeah. we'll get there. That's interesting. There are converts, you know, yep. yeah. to Judaism out of Egypt for sure. So, yeah, I mean, it could be that there was this woman maybe even believed, you know, hmm. um, and, but well, oh, that was the other thing I was going to say was this story. There's a lot of criticism right now at Disney and I think rightfully so, but they're, uh, sort of showing like they're, they're emasculating men is kind of the criticism. Right. Hmm. And we, we want to like value women, elevate women and women have a voice in all of these things, Absolutely. but they're doing it at the expense of pushing men down, right. Making men look weak and it's almost, almost stupid. And, uh, that's been a common, I mean, look at every like TV show that's ever existed. It's always like some bumbling idiot male, and the wife like has to clean up all the stuff, and we laugh at it. I, I mean, mean, yeah, everybody like, loves Raymond. Like all those shows where like the husband's just an idiot the whole time. Yeah, but it's not like that's yeah, been she, happening for a while. I just mean it. It seems a little bit different though. Okay, this time around, like with with Disney, it's a little bit stronger. Um, particularly that was a criticism with the Lord of the Rings series. But I remember looking at this story. Maybe it's just because I was thinking about it and thinking the men are kind of idiots. <laughs> so far in this story and the women are pretty awesome yeah. you've got these two courageous women in the earlier chapter one, right from chapter, chapter one yeah those rad women that were you know helping get those children born yeah mm-hmm. basically saved a bunch of people's lives and god rewards these women for that mm-hmm. um, and all of the, course the vigorous hebrew women of course the vigorous very hebrew vigorous women. <laughs> and then you've got a woman saving uh moses moses you've got a obviously a woman by faith's making this ark and sending her son down. Yeah. Uh, of course, the the man from the house of Levi, whatever his name was, Moses' father. Even Moses', he's awesome. Moses sister is kind of a hero here, too. She was pretty bold to just follow the thing yeah. and, and then march right up to Pharaoh's daughter and say, hey, I got an idea. You know, yep. like she's pretty bold, too. I don't know right. how old she was, but. Right. Yeah. But it, it just it just made me think about that. The women are awesome in this story. And uh but but Moses obviously grows up and he becomes a strong character. He's certainly not weak. Right. Um, <coughs> and, uh, I mean, he kills somebody and pushes off a bunch of shepherd guys. So clearly he's a yeah. strong guy who knows what he's doing. Um, but anyway, it just made me think about that that I thought was kind it, of interesting. But also, I'm just trying to think, like, is it is it probably more likely that Moses' mother had intended for this to happen? Right? Because she – or do you think that she was just like – God, you know what's going to happen to Moses. I hope he ends up somewhere cool, but he's probably going to be eaten by an alligator. You know what I mean? Like, or did she think this is going to go right by where the princess is going to be? I'm going to send my daughter to go keep an eye. Yeah, but Egyptians are under command to kill all the babies. Yeah, all the firstborn. That's sons, true. You know, so that's like, true. I don't know. It's a. We- it's she'd have to weird... know something we don't know from the story to be like, yeah, for sure, the pharaoh. Yeah, it's obviously so there's a lot of assumption, but like, it imagine if like... you're if you were in her shoes. And you, you, you know, had a child. And you want to give that kid the best chance for survival. Yeah, what would you do? Wouldn't it be more likely, like, I just think, like Nazi Germany, to go back to that, if you, you know, you would hide someone for the ex- period of their lifetime until the edict really goes up or something. Why, why was there several well, months? Yeah. And then she's like, hide him. maybe that's it. Or yeah. maybe, I guess the one thing we're not thinking of is, like, the edict was to kill firstborn sons right no I no no all every males. male 
every male. Yeah, every male every child. Male. Okay. Every son that is born of the Hebrews, you shall yeah, be son. Son. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't even like firstborn, dude. Right. You're thinking of this of, is genocide. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of yeah. It's it's just straight genocide, which is crazy. Right. Um, yeah. So not I mean not far from you know the what happened in the in the Holocaust, but mm. uh, but anyways, I don't know. I, I guess that just sort of struck me as an interesting thing to think about. But of course. In, to some extent, there's no way for us to know specifically, um, yeah. but I just I think it's really helpful, yeah. and I'm glad that you brought up the New Testament to see that the way that this woman is portrayed is someone with great faith yeah. who is trusting in God, and uh, and I think there are, are times in our lives where we might have to do something like this, you know, not obviously release a child <laughs> into the wild uh, yeah. who are, is in danger of being murdered, but but just you know, trusting and relying on God and taking this like really crazy step of faith. Well, you know? as an example in acts seven going, this is a good, uh, lesson for anybody. The new Testament's interpretation of the old Testament is the inspired interpretation. So right. yeah, when we, the Bible we, interprets itself, it's always right. It's always right. Yeah. <laughs> so like in acts, Stephen says he uses the word exposed. At least that's the, English translation of whatever that uh, Greek word is that he uses. Um, but it says that there was an edict to expose the children. And then it says that Moses' mother exposed her son. Mm. So the idea was she also put him in this thing and expose. And this word expose is kind of this ancient idea of when they would do child sacrifice, they would just put them out. And the elements essentially would kill them um, versus like covering them, right? right? Sheltering them, protecting them, caring for them. You're exposing this defenseless, helpless child. And the gods would do what they exactly do with the child. Yeah. Yeah. So this word exposing gives the implication like she was putting her son out to to die but giving him a chance, like in the ark, like whatever he, he's going to go down this road and I'm not going to be a part of it or go down this river and I'm not going to be part of it. I'm not going to know what's going to happen. Which that's an interesting point. We, I don't think we ever really talked about it, but you made the point in Exodus 1 that they were <coughs> sacrificing these children to the god of mm. the Nile, the god of the mm. river, uh, which it doesn't expressly say in there, but that's most that's the most likely explanation of why specifically kill them by throwing them into the river um, is that what like most historians think was probably the idea there i didn't read a lot there it's just you're gonna see it come later on that like the nile is a part of their worship yeah, yeah. as the nile is turned into blood it's their lifeline it's their lifeline yeah and so it's like we're throwing them in there right as a. yeah i mean i i feel like maybe that was an an, a, an assumption on my part as i said that but I think there's very good argument for yeah, that yeah. in the in the sort of religious landscape of the day at that time. Why would he say specifically throw them in the Nile versus just do do whatever you will, just yeah, make sure they're make, dead? Put all these babies. Yeah, yeah, put them in the Nile, and it's like, oh, okay, cool, because the Nile is our lifeline, the Egyptians' lifeline. We want to live on, and so let's cast them there for our yeah. own preservation. Um, I mean, it's also a cowardly way. I mean, obviously, all murder is horrific, and it's like super impersonal. Like you know, the other methods you could use that I think that 
throwing someone into the water, you don't have to think about what what is going to happen to them. Of course, you know how these children are going to end up, and it's horrific. But anyways, yeah, it's just the the point is a genocide is happening, mm-hmm. and uh, and this this mom still you know gives birth because that is what she is called to do to be fruitful and multiply mm-hmm. with her husband, and uh, by faith releases him essentially to God, like, God, you know what this, what you will make of this child. Yeah. And, uh, and thus is the beginning of Moses's story. Right. Crazy. Again. And so then we, you know, the story in this one chapter goes from infant to, adult. <laughs> you know, adult, yeah. but how uh, old is he in the second? Is he, he, he is like around 40 is 40. This. And again, we are not told that in the text, but that's what Steven says at 40 years old. Oh yes. Yes. Happened. Okay. So it's like, okay, where'd you get that number from? clearly from like tradition or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But I thought, I thought that was a really good point. Maybe the, one of the more impactful points for me, uh, was that idea. He, you know, act seven, he got the best wisdom and teaching, yeah. uh, you know, education that the Egyptian culture had to offer. And he got whatever, you know, the best that his mom could teach him about Hebrew culture in the little time she had him. Presumably yeah. she must've taught him something. Yeah. And he, being raised in an, a, the highest Egyptian house you can be in walks out and says like, no, I'm these people. Like yeah. I'm like, this is my culture. These mm-hmm. are my people. God's mm-hmm. people are my people and not, uh, and the, you said the promises of God to those people were better, but the life right now <laughs> that he would live as an Egyptian was far better. Yeah. In you the know? moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the current life you could choose if you just base it off of right now, Egyptian one way better than mm-hmm. the Hebrew one. Mm-hmm. But if you believe in the God of the Hebrews and then that life, that, you know, uh, thread that will be traced through all of history is going to be far better. And he chose, you know, the delayed gratification or whatever yeah. to, to say, I know I'm all in with God's people. Well, yeah. And that, I mean, that's right out of Hebrews 11 yeah. that he, uh, was willing to suffer the reproach of Christ, which is an interesting thing to think about since he was not, he didn't even know Christ. Um, but that he was willing to suffer for Christ's sake and forsake all the pleasures of Egypt in order to uh, experience a, a, a land that was greater, or a future that was greater than the present reality. Um, but that, I mean, this is just straight out of the words of Jesus, right? What will the profit a man if he gains the whole world, but forfeits his soul? Mm. And I mean, Moses had the world, the, the power, the prestige, the wealth, all the opportunity, all that other stuff in Egypt. And he obviously forsake all of that, um, and consider the reproach of Christ better than all the treasures of Egypt. Yeah, it's a it's a really and, and that's the call of all of us as Christians. That's what we're confronted with on a regular basis is how do we live in the world but not love the world? And yet how do we want to reach the world and identify with God and with his people? Um but yeah, I think one of the interesting things to me in the story that I didn't really have a lot of time to tease out, but that Moses sort of raises himself up to be the Hebrew liberator. But the, the his people, though he wanted to lead them out and liberate them and help them, 
received him not. Like mm-hmm. this is the clearly pointing us to like the Hebrews did not follow their leader. They rejected their savior. This is something that's going to come in Isaiah. Uh, this is obviously going to happen in Christ. His people rejected him. And, and Moses experienced that same thing. Of course, he was rejected because, well, he wasn't a leader that was worth following. Um, yeah, he was willing to stand up for somebody, but he was murderous. He, was, he hadn't earned it, I guess you could say. He had not yet left Egypt and counted the cost, per se. He had not yet identified with them. And they're like, dude, who made you a judge over us? Hmm. Look at you in your fancy clothes and your high palaces. Like, you're not one of us. Didn't you just kill that guy? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yeah, and then you're a murderer. Like, we can't trust you. Right. And it took 40 years of isolation and obscurity and humbling for Moses to realize what kind of leader he needed to be but for them to realize, oh, he's he's one of us too. And look at actually what he gave up in order to and look at what he's willing to wit- risk now. Come back here to this place where they wanted to kill him <laughs> like to liberate us like I don't know, maybe we'll listen to him for a second, you know. Um and yeah, it's just interesting how that how that all worked out. I just think if we were only reading Exodus, this would be a challenging thing to to discern all these details that we're pulling out. So, anyways, I'm just it's great. You mean without without New Testament Hebrews? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like it would. I read this sentence. One day Moses had grown up. He went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And then he he interjects. But there's a lot of commentary that the New Testament gives on that verse. Yeah, because otherwise like we're it would be us sort of reading in that he is he did want to liberate his people and he saw the injustice and those those are the things we're seeing from Stephen's sermon in Acts and in the author of Hebrews in in uh chapter 11. So, yeah, I think that's a really it's really good that we see the, those things uh, about Moses in his story, but that kind of maybe leads us to think through um our own lives um, you know what I mean? Did we ever attempt to fill a leadership role and then God had to, had, God had other plans for mm. us. He, you know what I mean? He had to humble us in one mm. way or the other and send us into a proverbial desert for 40 years. Um, I don't know. Have you ever experienced something like that or thought through? I don't know about me personally, but what comes to mind are people who have the savior complex, like mm. people who like, I'm going to fix that guy. You've got a, pro- or that girl, or I'm going to fix that relationship and people who insert themselves into other people's yeah. trials and situations. Um, and what ends up happening is they get, they get hurt as a result of that, and they don't heal anyone because they're not the Savior. They're not that person's Messiah. But people have that sort of right. Messiah complex. Um, I'll go in there and I'll fix that organization or whatever. And it, I've got the skill. I've got the ability. I've got the experience. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go in there and fix that. And it's very selfish and it's all sort of dependent on you. And I think that's kind of what the story is showing is maybe he had this Messiah complex in the beginning. Um, and he would be used as a savior and a deliverer, but God's going to basically in the next chapter, it's going to be like, but yeah, you're going to do it on my terms. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's going to be funny is he's like, I'm going to go back there. And Mo's like, why would they listen to me? 
and and he's going to say they're, because they're going to listen to me. I'm going to do signs and wonders, things you could never do on your own. Like I'm going to do that stuff. So yeah. God is savior. You're not savior, but I'm going to use you to deliver these people. And I, I, that was kind of what I got out of all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that he, he's clearly immature. Like that's what's clear. He's, he's in his forties, but he, he's immaturely thinking that he can be the liberator apart from God. Right. I think yeah. that's clear. Well, and spiritually I, immature. He spiritually. doesn't understand that God is deliverer mm-hmm. and God is savior, not him, not us. We don't save anybody. When we evangelize, it's not about my methods or my ability to seal the deal, right? Like it's salvation is all of God and not of me. Mm. Though God uses me, but it's not me doing it. Um, and I think those are those are the subtle, maybe not so subtle things being communicated in that story. Yeah, I mean, for me, when character. I uh, really started following the Lord as a young, as in my twenties. Um, zealously I wanted to go into full-time ministry like fairly quickly I felt like that's what I wanted to do with my life I felt like God was calling me to do that and uh, very quickly (laughs) God humbled me and Hmm. uh, it took many years before I was even like I thought okay I was just totally wrong like I'm Hmm. not capable of doing that I don't you know, I, I sort of had this passion as a young Christian for wanting to become a pastor. I was looking into Bible colleges. I was looking into seminaries and I was trying to figure out how I could do it. But like, you know, nothing was working out. The church I was a part of disintegrated um, and it just everything sort of felt like, OK, then clearly God is not going to use me in any way like that. You know, and it took me many years of just sort of getting back into a more healthier spiritual place, learning the Bible and uh, getting connected with a healthier church and serving for a number of years before it even became a possibility again. And it was like eye opening. It was shocking. You know what I mean? That God had said, no, here's an opportunity. I'm going to call you into full-time ministry like you originally wanted to do, but I had to make you go through these different things. So I felt like I did have somewhat of a similar experience to that where I initially wanted to jump in with both feet and just, I was so ill prepared Mm. um, for a lot of reasons. Ill prepared in the past or ill ill prepared recently? What do you mean? No, in the past. This was, this was when I first became a Christian and it took 10 years, I think from that initial, like I want to be a pastor one day until in a very roundabout way through different ministries and different churches, um, God offered, you know, brought to light this opportunity to serve full time at Harvest, mm. and then from then on, it was, it was like God had, you know, he this this thing that I desired to do when I was a young Christian now became a real possibility because He had brought me through mm. these different trials and difficulties and you know maturation. Like I had mm-hmm. to learn lessons mm-hmm. and I had to f- to understand His ways better before I could come to a place where I would be any good, like would I would be yeah. any useful in his hands as mm. a tool in the redeemer's hands, you know, anyway, so I think there's obviously some of that in Moses. Sure. He had to be humbled. He had to be, you know, taught and we'll see later as he returns as an old man, the lessons he's learned and the humility he has even to a fault, maybe in chapter three, where he's so unsure of himself, you know, which we'll mm. get into, but, but anyways, yeah. um, I mean, it's very similar to the conversation we were having last night in the elders meeting, mm. the idea of the bruised reed, the bruised you know, reed, yeah. like the Moses, 
obviously had some sort of arrogance and sin and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, anger in his heart to the point that he thought he out of his own accord could just take someone's life. Not, you know, not the way that God had ordained to liberate his people, but like, I can just be mad and just, you know, just kill somebody. And, uh, and you know, that type of sin that he had in his life needed to be dealt with. He needed to feel the bruising, the misery of that, mm -hmm. which was like, I have to escape because of the rash, you know, decision I made outside of God's plan. And, uh, and, you know, because of that, he's a person that God could eventually use in, mm -hmm. in a mighty way. Yeah. I, when I, when I was saying the thing about you were reminding me there too, Rob, when I was saying about people who have like Messiah complex or savior complex, they're always inserting themselves in other people's lives and trying to like, fix their drama or whatever. <laughs> Oftentimes when you get a little bit deeper, you realize they're doing it because they don't want to deal with their own problems. Mm. Yeah. And they're by helping someone else, it's helping them to ignore the, their own issues and insecurities, past hurts, whatever it is. And, and I think maybe for Moses, it could be one of those things where he feels guilty that, Wow, oh, yeah. look at all of these people who died. I yeah. lived. And maybe maybe people even jeered at him and mm. his own people looked at him and he's like, How can I how can I earn their trust again, you know? Yeah. And so he like steps in and tries to be this liberator, but they still won't accept him. You're still not one of us. But it's almost like he feels guilty about it and he doesn't want to he doesn't know how to deal with all of that and he's dealing with it in the wrong way. Um, by trying to have the savior complex and the Messiah complex. I know how they'll accept me. I'll like help them get out of their bad situation. And that's why, like, I think the comment before God could use him, God needed to do a work in him right. before he could do a work through him. Mm -hmm. And God will humble you. And, uh, and cause even it's like, well, why couldn't God use me? Eventually God or Moses will say, why would God use me? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm we'll horrible have to go through that hole. Yeah. yeah. I'm horrible. Like, look at what I did. I, 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 I'm just living in obscurity here, you know? And then it's like, yeah, when you're at the bottom spot, that's when now you're able to be used. And, but you see that sort of tendency in people, um, who like to jump into things and and uh, not everybody, but you can see some of those things where they are ignoring their own problems in order to fix, and they do it by fixating on other people's problems. But then when all those other people go away, they create new problems that they can fix because they don't want to fix the ones that are inside them. Mm. Um, but anyway, God has a way of working all of that out yeah. in time and in his own way. So, which yeah, is really and I amazing. think there are people, you know, like who are listening, who could be in a situation where you need to be humbled <laughs> mm. and maybe that's well, coming for you. Yeah. But like you could be similar to Moses in his immaturity mm. and perhaps you need to hear that. But then there's other people who could be, you know, on the other side of it. And, uh, and it's like, you have been humbled and there's, there is still a calling on your life. If God sure. still will use you in whatever way that he has determined. So don't, it's not like, don't give up hope. And mm. then the, the conclusion of the chapter of course, is this wonderful kind of like, I don't know, like interlude. Um, I don't know what you would even call this verse 23 and 20 through 25 
where we see Moses commenting on sort of God's perspective for a moment, right? Where he, God is hearing the groaning of the people. Obviously we get the, the note that the, the Pharaoh, uh, dies, right? During those, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, the King of Egypt dies, the people are groaning and then God hears them, remembers them. And then God knew sees them and then God see, yeah. 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 I mean, w- actually chapter one and two, like go together, right? Mm-hmm. You've got conflict. You've got the beginning of the solution. You see the, the light of it, um, the conflict, obviously, with Egypt and with the king. And then you've got this thing at the end, but God, but God, right, comes mm-hmm. ringing in. We're, we're, where's the God factor in this thing? You know, oh, here it is at the end of chapter two. And so it's the transition um, and I, I was tempted to do chapter one and two as one sermon, uh, because it kind of does sort of flow together ending with this section here at the end of chapter two. Uh, but there was just too much good stuff to, so to do it all in one, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, God hearing God, seeing God, remembering and God knowing, um, just to show shows that God's still involved in the lives of his people and he's going to act according to his covenant that he made with his people and yeah. he does not have a senior moment. He's going to remember <laughs> these things and he's going to recall them at the right time. And I thought that was, uh, you know, that, that was encouraging to me and certainly would have been encouraging to the original audience of yeah. the story. Oh, God saw all those things. God heard my prayers and my prayers matter. And he responds to my prayers and he sees the things that are going on. And unlike Moses, who basically was uh, the jury and the judge and the executioner of this person, God is the righteous judge Mm. and the righteous, as we will see later on, executioner um, of of the king of Egypt and of of the people who basically won't let his people go. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's bringing in the God card, which is pretty interesting. Did you guys feel, but you said to me earlier that I threw you off with the whole, like, it was all comforting, right? Oh, God knows you, got his people, and he sees your issues. But then there's the scary part about that, that God knows everything I've done for for the non-Christian, right? For the Egyptian in this story, God see, saw, heard, oh yeah, remembered that judgment was going to come. And the, the fact that God knows is a scary thing. Like, hey, mom and dad, they know. They know what you did last night when you came in late or whatever. Or they know what you did last summer. They know what you did last that summer. That movie that came out recently. Recently. <laughs> they were teasing me. That I said they came out recently, but it came out 1997. Decades oh, ago, Aaron. So Decades. Old. Wow, I'm so old. I can't even remember when a movie came out. Back a few years ago. Just a few years ago. You know, you guys remember, right? Just recently in theaters, 1997. <laughs> um, but yeah, I yeah. know what you did last summer. But yeah, that like, oh, what? who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And it's like, no, I know. Oh yeah. And uh, retribution is coming. Yeah, and that is scary. If you're on the you're on the other end of things, if you're not the people of God, it's there's a lot to be scared about. It's a little bit reminiscent of Psalm 139, right? Search me and know my heart. <coughs> See if there be any grievous way. Like God knows everything. He you cannot hide from Him. He will, of course. He will, uh, yeah, deal justice out to those who deserve mm-hmm. it. Um, so, yeah, that is a scary thing, but it's also, 
a comforting thing. I think the the good news for us today is that uh, anyone, you know, by God's grace, can throw themselves at the mercy of the cross mm. and be, and uh, you know, have forgiveness. Um, you know, mm. there's no mm-hmm. moment like now to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to confess that you need God and He will save you. You know, and I thought it was really uh, a good thing that you did throughout your sermon, which was to highlight e- in each section how Christ is sort of echoed in each mm. part of his story of Moses being, you know, the baby who is uh, like the ark and that whole connection. And then later Moses, you know, seeking to to lead his people, but being rejected as Christ was rejected. And then mm-hmm. of course being he, Christ will be the perfect savior where Moses uh, falls short, but uh, we'll get into more of that as we get into Exodus. It's, it's really cool to see the echoes of the Messiah that are in this early story of, of the history of the people of God. And uh, that obviously comes to light in Acts and in Hebrews reflected there as well, but, but really cool. So the burning bush next week, next week, I'm excited about it. I am that I am. It's going to be dope. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's do this. Then We're transitioning. You ready? This is a segue. Segue. It's time for Bible trivia right now. Bible trivia. Here it is. All right. Okay, okay, here we go. God in this in this next chapter and we'll this goes on and on in the story. God is taking the people to the promised land. Yeah. It's a land full of milk and honey. Yeah. And God says that it's also the land of the people. 6 Oh gosh, I'm not groups remember all these of people. people. So that, that's tough. That's tough. Maybe uh, here's the trivia: name three of the six people groups that live in the Promised Land. Canaanites. There's one. <laughs> Philistines. No. The Hittites. Ah. There's the two. Am- the Perizzites. Amalekites. Perizzites. There's three. Amalekites. Do you want want bonus points? There's three. The Perizzites. Do you want a bonus points? The There's three left. Amalekites. So I'm totally wrong. I said uh, Amalekites and I said Philistines. Those are both wrong. No. Not Amalekites. Amalekites no Philistines. The Perizzites. The Hittites. The Jebusites. The Jebusites. Hey, there's another one. The Canaanites. Wait, what was the other one you there's said? There's a lot of knights. What would you say? I said Jebusites. That's what I said. What was the other one, though, before? That I, said I said Amalekites and oh, the Philistines. No, no, no. no, no, no Philistines are later. There's another A1. There's another A1 and another H1. I don't remember. Yeah, the Hivites, Hivites, and the Amorites. Amorites. But you got right. the you won Bible trivia for the week because you only had to get three and there you got you go. four. There you go. I was pretty impressed. Who needs to remember that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're all destroyed. We're talking about the history of Israel. We God, don't care about the other. All we know is they were parasites in the land. <laughs> oh, hey, dad, jokes. Dad, dad, dad jokes. Dad jokes. Volunteer of the week. Volunteer of the week. Who's the volunteer of the week? We didn't pick one before we started. So I'm going to count to three. Everyone. <laughs> this, this could go very badly. Everyone out loud, say the name of a volunteer at the church that they think should be volunteer of the week. And maybe God will ordain that we all say the same name. Oh, at the same oh time. Oh, my Cody, how so dare you? cast <laughs> lots here? We are going to edit this no, down. We, we all are like, uh, no, who's we our need volunteer to edit of the this. week? I'm Nominate a, someone. I'm going to say Vince Caparelli. Hey, I like that one. Actually, man, I wish we would have done it now because I was going to say Vince when I counted to three. So was I. What? That's amazing. No, I'm just kidding. Vince Caparelli. Oh, on the same page. Vince Caparelli has been helping <laughs> out. 
uh, with the facilities. And uh, have yeah, we, we haven't given Vince a shout out. I don't think so. I don't know. If, I don't think we have. I don't since think he's, so. Because mm. it's been summer since he it has started been summer. volunteering. Yeah. As our but he's been coming. He's in maintenance. He's been coming to the facility and looking at little projects. Yeah. That, you know, light bulbs or holes in the walls or rooms that need to be cleaned up and Paint. things that need to be fixed yeah. and making yeah. a list of things that we get, uh, you know, a contractor to come out and do. So it, we have, by God's grace, a great little facility here and yet mm-hmm. it's not that little there's a lot of rooms and a lot yeah. of things it's not and that great and, well it's old <laughs> it's old you know and things things no, go uh, out of control and yeah. so it's nice to have him here yeah um helping out and that it is it's a massive need yeah he's been giving us a lot of his time yep yeah, so we're thankful for Vince. Speaking of, that reminds us, we have a leak we need to talk to yeah. him about. Yeah, AC. Vince, <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah. Well, it, Vince is the volunteer of the week. If you see Vince, thank him for what he does. Yes. Congratulate him for being volunteer of the week, but also let him know that we have another AC leak. unit that's doing that weird <laughs> thing the other AC unit did if he right. wants to check yeah. it out oh, sometime that's soon. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything I asked you this last week? Any any previews for what's upcoming besides the the six uh, people that God talks about in the burning bush? Yeah, um, are you pumped up about anything? I'm I'm really excited about it. I I was telling Cody uh, what I would like my introduction to be. It's more of an inside joke between me and Cody, so I, I don't think anybody would get it. <laughs> but the whole "I am" statement. Oh so, yeah, you know, I am that I am, or I am what I am, depending <laughs> on your. Uh, interpretation of that um but actually so just real quick i'm gonna go meet sinclair ferguson here pretty soon sinclair ferguson is a never heard theologian scottish preacher Mm. um he was in south carolina but he's back in scotland now he's actually a really big deal but he is my favorite preacher yep and i'm gonna go get to meet him uh the first week of october um down in california but he um I listened to the sermon. One of the first sermons I listened to by him was on Exodus chapter three. And I remembered some of the things that he brought out in that, in that sermon. And I just remember going like, wow, this guy is preaching fire right now. I mean, it was just, it was (laughs) so good. And so I, I went back and listened to it again yesterday. It's actually probably a good idea. You're in trouble. Well, but you might've, you know, quoted him and thought it was your own ideas. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Back and be like, Oh, which ones do I need to quote him on? Right, right, right. (laughs) Well, actually what was funny was was impactful enough to stick in your head and you're like, this is a brilliant idea I just came up with. There were a couple (laughs) things that he brought up that I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. But actually I listened to it again. I'm like, man, he rambled a lot. <laughs> more, That's more than so I, funny. more than I remembered him rambling. Like he rambled a ton about like unnecessary things that had no nothing to do with the text, you know. Yeah. And so I, you just, better tell him that. When I kind of cracked up about it. Well, um, we've talked about it before. Like a lot of your experience, if you're if your pastor is preaching the Bible, yeah, a lot of your experience is like your attitude toward receiving the teaching, you know. Um, and so when you were there that time listening to this sermon and you were just like, I want everything that this, that all the wisdom God's given this guy, you know, Mm -hmm. versus a time when like you've been studying a little more and you've been preaching a little more and you're like, Oh, he could have probably done that far better. (laughs) I know. It's like, um, yeah, yeah. Which is a good reminder for us when we come and we sit in church, 
we often get out of it what we uh, decide to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway. So hopefully you're not disappointed when you see him. No, I won't be. No, it's going to be. It's going to be cool regardless. But, but anyway, that that was just my little mention of what you were saying of preview yeah. or whatever. Yep. Um, it's just hard sometimes when you hear a good teaching or sermon on a passage and you can never look at it differently. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like the the prodigal son after reading the prodigal God from Keller and listening to his sermon on that section of Luke, like I can't I can't imagine teaching or thinking about that passage any other way. Mm-hmm. So that's what's hard. Sometimes you'll hear it and then it's like when you get up to preach Exodus 3, you're like, he did it so well. I'm just going to do something similar. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. and it's hard to like, and not that it needs to be very dissimilar <coughs> or, or anything, but it's, it's like, there's something to be said about, you know, trying to hear how the Holy spirit wants you to shape that passage for us in mm-hmm. this context. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's hard to do that when it's like so good. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, I listen to the sermon again and I'm like, I wouldn't preach it like this at all. Like, you know, and I was moved by it the first time I listened to it. I mean, this was years ago I listened to that sermon. And, but yeah, I just, the direction he took for his congregation in that passage, like there were obviously some like right out of the text phrases that you should probably, I mean, he read it from a commentary too and took that, you know? So, I mean, it's just what it is, but the overall layout of his sermon and some of the things that he brought in I'm like that was, he was clearly speaking in his moment to his congregation and there that's nowhere I would go mm. so you have to like as John Stott said uh live between two worlds in your mm. in your preaching like you've got to live in the world of the word and the world by which of the people that you're preaching to and talking to in this moment and that's the line you've got to walk on when you're preaching is living in the those two worlds Mm -hmm. Um, like so you listen to him and you're like you got to the end you're like he didn't mention harry potter once right not even once what was this sermon yeah well actually he's making a lot of scottish jokes (laughs) and like he 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 had he has uh, an accent he's yeah he has a scottish accent how dare you use the scottish accent for the sermon (laughs) yeah you should do that too (laughs) well i wish i could oh i'd love to hear he brought up uh this british he made he was making fun of british people making (laughs) fun of british people in his sermon, which I thought was hilarious because that's a total cultural thing. Like yeah. I couldn't, I don't know, make fun of people from the South and like just come up with I'm some sure like Southern accent and like just mock them. Like, <laughs> but that's basically what he did. He's mocking British people, but he's, he was talking about the I am thing and was like using it as an example of saying, uh, what if someone came up to me and said to, uh, he was like, maybe I went and saw a British person and the British butler comes to the door to whom is calling and just like <laughs> imitated the and everybody in the crowd started laughing because he's mocking <laughs> British butlers you know and he's like what if I just said I am and just was like <laughs> how weird would that be you know it was so funny though because I'm like he's just mocking British people right now and it, anyway but I can't do that yeah. none of that works you should try though why not yeah. British people are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they're good. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.